Hi there, I'm Anne-Marie McQueen, editor of livehealthy.ae, and this is the livehealthy.ae podcast. Each week, we will interview leaders in the UAE's health and wellness community, and we'll explore topics you read about in our online magazine, the only one of its kind for men and women. And now it's time to meet this week's guest. Hi, today we have Reem Shaheen on the Live Healthy podcast. Uh, Reem is a U.S. trained counseling psychologist who's worked for American leaders across three countries. She studied at the American University in Cairo and completed her master's in counseling, mental health, and wellness at New York University. She's also um, attended an internship at the Center of the Study for Anorexia and Bulimia and um, worked extensively with addiction and sex addiction. And I like how you describe yourself as an eclectic psychotherapist. Welcome. <laughs> Thank you, Anne. <laughs> Thank you for having me. Um, so we're here today to talk about the mental health impact of everything to do with COVID-19 and mm-hmm. all things are opening up that that impact does continue. So I guess I'll just start by asking you um, sort of what have you seen in your practice and across your social media channels as sort of the most pressing concerns? First, the understanding uh, that what alarmed me was the lack of understanding of what was going on. Like everybody was aware that there, there was a global pandemic, but no one, and there wasn't a lot of awareness as to what are the mental health implications of uh, individuals going through um, this period of, of global pandemic, which is basically a collective traumatic experience. Um, everybody's work life has had to be put on hold. Uh, no matter where you were, one way or another, you had to go through some some kind of restrictions. Your life was not, uh, was not you, you couldn't resume it normally. And there was a sense of fear. There was a sense of worry. And it continues, and it's something that's out of your control. So there was uh, a major implication on mental health. However, you saw um, what worried me was all of these um, social media posts of um, if you haven't read that book or if you haven't done this thing, then you're lazy. It's not a matter of time because assuming that this is time where, uh, I mean, we all had extra time on our hands and not look at the compassionate side of it is that this is traumatic. It's going to trigger a lot of people in a lot of different ways. So managing to go through that with, um, with your mental health kind of affected, but not severely affected is an accomplishment on its own. (laughs) So having sending this, yeah. So sending this message to me uh, was very alarming and I saw it a lot. Um, And then feeling like, Oh, this is the time you take care of your body. This is the time you take care of your, uh, you read this book. This is the time you develop. This is not, this wasn't a time for self-development. Right. This was a time for survival. That is very interesting. That was one of the things in the beginning where you felt like you really needed to be using the time. But I know personally, I wasn't able to really do anything in the early days. Because why, why is that? 
Why is that that people were having? Why is that? It's a survival mode. What happens to you when you go into survival mode? I think that what happened there was there were two different uh, people who people who struggled with it at the beginning, and actually people who struggled with it later on. Those groups, uh, kind of uh, people who started uh, with the struggle, it was because it was a huge disruption to our daily life. Um, everybody, young or um, or old, has a routine. You have a routine of how your Sunday works. What what time you wake up? What time you go to do you go to bed? What kind of activities are involved in your day? Is uh, is pretty much set. You wake up, you go to work, whether you exercise, any of these things. There was general structure. And then if you were one of the people whose work was affected, so um, you were not spending minimum 40 hours of your week working, then mm-hmm. all of a sudden you had this extra time that you didn't know what to do with it. And it wasn't extra time that, oh, let's travel or let's hang out with friends. It's extra time where you were locked in your house. So that, um, that shock in and of itself kind of fusion and fear as to what am I going to do with, with this? Yeah. That was one group. The other group that kind of was uh, stoic, I would say, at the beginning and tried to keep their structure and tried to keep their head high. And it's like, oh, let me, this is going to be a few weeks. Let me try to survive this. Let me see how, we're, how I'm going to manage this. And then slowly started to struggle, kind of to denial and try to keep their structure at the beginning and then slowly started to struggle um, as uh, the situation prolonged. Mm-hmm. Does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. And I guess what I'm, I guess what you're kind of getting at the heart of it is there's really no way to go through something like this and not be impacted. Even if you consider yourself to be, you know, someone who isn't, who has strong mental health, I guess, or. How, how would they be impacted? Right. Right. Everything. I mean, even if you, we've talked before about people who go to the the gym. Yeah. No, 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 not even. At the very least, if you're still busy with work, if you're still, um, your work hasn't been impacted, which some people have this going for them. Yeah. At the very least, you're working from home every day. You're not seeing anyone. You're not interacting with coworkers. Mm-hmm. You're not speaking to anyone. I mean, you are speaking to people who are living with you, but you're not having those social interactions. This is at the very least. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, now that we're months into this, mm-hmm. it feels that it's still so uncertain because some policies, you know, we're trusting the government and how they're handling it and appreciative of how mm-hmm. they're handling it. But you, know, you see some things opening up, for example, in Abu Dhabi, they're opening up hotels and beaches, but we just got word that they're restri- restricting movement in and out of Abu Dhabi. And I've I found that news hard. It's just made me feel trapped here. You know, it's, um, mm-hmm. it, it goes on. Like it's going, is there a sense of like, you should be coping with it now, but why, why would I find that announcement so troubling when it's only a week and I just came back from Dubai, you know? <laughs> it's, I'll tell you something. Um, no matter who I've worked with throughout my life and even myself and friends, if you think about the two feelings that we as humans have the hardest time with, feelings of helplessness and feeling out of control, they strike on our vulnerability the most. And that sense, and I think that that's what COVID brought up, is that sense of 
uncertainty, helplessness, out of control. You don't really know what's going on. And it's from an individual level to a governmental level because with all due respect to every government in the world, and I have all the compassion for them, they have never done this before. So they don't really know exactly what they're doing and there's no precedent. So they're really struggling as well Mm -hmm. and trying to make the best decision under the circumstances. So, um, so everyone is feeling out of control and at the moment, and that's something if you haven't worked on it throughout your life in other circumstances, it really triggers a lot of feeling of that feeling of vulnerability, which if you think about it, we've been trying throughout to, um, to, to not, to not feel it. Like we've been always, humans have been always trying to be able to control and predict. That's all we try to do. <laughs> and comes the situation that makes you feel the complete opposite. And so, it's triggering. So when you get triggered like that, and, mm-hmm. and I think maybe can you talk about how that exhibits itself? Because I don't think when people, when you say triggered, you know, what, what sort of form might that take so that people can, it can take, it can take any, any form depending on your, um, your history and your coping mechanisms and your history of, of trauma and all of that. So for example, be triggering to someone who, um, who struggles with, uh, with, uh, with drinking, for example, to be drinking more, um, uh, or to, um, struggle to have a harder time to maintain, maintain non-drinking level. Is this for someone who, um, who uses exercise as a way of coping with stress and, and, um, difficult times to just be able to, um, cope because that exercise, unless you're exercising within your house, that's been taken away mm-hmm. uh, for the longest time. So depending on how some people might be more short tempered, some people will go away and might drink, and might uh, trigger um, people who recovered from a depression to have another depressive episode. Anyone who struggles with any kind of anxiety is now probably struggling a lot more. Um, so it really depends on your mental health history. Okay. Um, and what's going to be triggered and, and how you're going to be able to handle it and how far in your journey of learning to accept your own vulnerability and your own um, sense of helplessness and lack thereof control to be able to sit with those feelings and just accept that there's, not, there's nothing that you can do about it except feel them and let them take their course. Yeah, and we've talked about this before when everything was fun, mm-hmm. you know, and how, how much of yes. some people um, have doing that and whether if they're drinking or they're shopping or they're going out or they're working out or they're dieting or whatever coping mechanism. Yeah. And, and the, crux of, the crux of it is that feeling of your feelings. But how do you do that when you feel terrible, when you're just sitting feeling? Because I think people think it will swallow them up and that is how it feels. What's your advice for when you're just in that day you know where it just won't end what do you do when you feel happy i guess you just feel happy (laughs) i guess you just let yourself feel it right (laughs) yeah yeah so it's it's basically the same thing really if you're sad just let yourself be sad yeah when i say that to clients sometimes they look at me as if i'm crazy 
it, 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 I'm sad. Be sad. What? What? What's gonna happen? What? It's not the end of the world. It's a feeling. It's gonna go away. It's gonna go away. It's gonna change into another feeling, right? It's gonna. It. Yeah. It doesn't last forever. It's just a feeling. <laughs> and it's. But we have, we're so anti-wallowing. You know, if you're the, if there's yes. so focus on positivity that. To feel sad sometimes feels like wallowing. So what's the, how do you, how do you walk that line? But that's, but that's one thing that, that I feel, again, it's that we need to be positive, happy all the time message that has been going on for, for some time now and is really unrealistic. Yeah. Life cannot all be on the high. It cannot be all on the low either. Life is, is like, is like anything else. It has its ups and it has its downs. Shouldn't be a flat line. Shouldn't be all high. Shouldn't be all low. You have your good times and you have your bad times. So that expectation that you're supposed to be positive all the time is also an unrealistic expectation. We're going through a difficult experience. Yeah. And social media really, people talk about social media for a lot of the negatives, but I think that term, are you familiar with spiritual bypassing? That sort of, yes. can you talk a little bit about that? Because to me, sometimes when I look at social media, I should never be feeling that. Like I'm so lucky because I have my job and I have a home. You know, can you just explain that a little bit to people? I just feel sometimes that the idea of, of spiritual bypassing and all these other concepts is that it's a fancy way of, of, of numbing ourselves. Mm -hmm. It's yet another way of numbing us. You should, you should be grateful. I am grateful to everything. You can't, it, the, being grateful and, and um, feeling and mourning uh, whatever, uh, you're, whatever you're going through are not mutually exclusive. Right. You so, for example, if you are... Um, if you are, uh, if you're going through um, this 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 time, which at the end of the day we're going through it in the UAE, where it's relatively safe, it hasn't been the numbers haven't been that high. It's um, I mean, it, overall compared to a lot of other people, we, we don't have any food shortages. We don't we haven't experienced it that badly, and we're all grateful to that. Everybody's saying, "I'm so grateful to that." Yes. But there was a loss at the same time, whether it was a loss of routine, whether it was a loss of uh, of social connection, where any time, one way or another, throughout the past two months, you have experienced a loss. Mm -hmm. So there's being grateful to the fact that we're here, we're, we're going through it, but it's easy. Mm -hmm. It's not exclusive from mourning whatever losses that it is. It's just spiritual bypassing and all of these other things. They're just ways to avoid. Mm -hmm. In their definition, they tell you it's to avoid feeling painful feelings. Why do you need to avoid feeling painful feelings? It's pain. It's going to go away. <laughs> How about for people in the UAE? I think there's a, something a little bit special here when you have so many people whose, whose home is elsewhere. And they can't, yeah. like, even though you may not have had a plan to go home for six months, you can no longer theoretically go home and return 
right now. What's that? What's exactly. That, what's that do? Do you think? I think that uh, again, it takes that that it takes away that sense of freedom, that sense of I have control over my life, so I decide whether I'm going to travel tomorrow or I'm not, or whether I am going to uh, be able to get out of my house after 10 p.m. or not, or whether I'm, I'm uh, I, I decide to go to work or not. So it's it's that sense of control over your life that got taken away for for the greater good, but it got taken away, and and a lot of people are struggling with that, and it's not easy. Um, you're worried. A lot of people they have their their parents or their um, elders or family members in other countries. You're worried about them. How are they going to be? Um, how are they going to survive this? You don't know what the situation is like in your home country. You don't know even when you're going to be able to travel. I mean, until now, they haven't even announced when the airport will be open again. Mm -hmm. uh, what will happen then? Are you going to be able to? And the implications of that. So there's a lot of uncertainty. So it's not only that you didn't plan to go home for for another six months. It's that I didn't plan to not to, to go home for another six months. And I don't know when mm -hmm. I'm going to be able to go home. And And I'm sure for everyone, there are things that have been going home, going on home that you wanted to be part of. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So again, it's that loss. There's a lot of grief going on. Right, right. And I guess it's hard for people to understand that because they haven't necessarily lost someone, but they're just... Exactly. They may but not they lost. Right, right. And how do you process that? How do you tell people same thing? Just feel your feelings? Is there, are there any other... Feel your feelings. Yeah. It's, I mean, you need to be um, very aware of what's going on within you. And, and you need to have that. If, if this time can be used for anything, maybe a little bit of introspection into what, what, has, been, what, what has been going on for me. What, ha, what has this experience done for me? How did it affect me? And there's nothing wrong with asking this question mm -hmm. and then really examining oh so that's what it's left me with and and it doesn't have to be a, a serious trauma but on one on one level or another people people um, have lost something like one of my close friends uh, just be, just before we, uh, the lockdown got engaged oh. and we never got to we never even got to congratulate her in, uh, Right. face to face and now everything is in the air so it's not the worst thing that could ever happen to anyone she's safe she's well so her family's safe her fiance, everything is well but there's a sense of loss and and that's what i'm trying to say so that even if it's a little thing there's no shame in saying oh but i'm sad about that little thing happening i'm grateful for everything else but i'm sad about that denying that just doesn't help because when you when you don't process a feeling, when you don't let it out, it just stays within you. And then another thing bad is going to happen and then it's going to be repressed and repressed and repressed. And that's how mental illness develops. Mm -hmm. Why? This is the important thing, I think. Just when you push those feelings down, they don't go away, right? What happens? They don't go away. <laughs> they, just, they just fester. They're just within you. You're just carrying them and it's weight and it becomes weight that's weighing you down eventually because, again, it's life. Good things are going to happen and bad things are going to happen to all of us. How about 
about people with children? Because I know you also specialize yes. in children. No, I don't work with children. Ross, <laughs> Ross Addison does. In, uh, he's, he's, yes, yeah. Ross, uh, Ross does. Is, can, you, I, if, can you just speak a little bit to that? What in your What's going on with children? How you speak to them when they're... I think... I, I think little micro level? <laughs> yes, well, they are struggling as well, of course. Um, uh, the routine, their structure, their predictability, everything has been taken away from them. Now, you need to keep in mind, children tend to be a lot more resilient than adults. Uh, a lot easier. So, uh, again, it's the same thing. They're going through a global experience. They're experiencing losses. They are in a trigger. If they're struggling with some mental health issues, it's gonna, it might trigger them more. So what needs to be done is that there needs to be this open conversation and this open sense of let's put our vulnerabilities out there. So I am, for example, that conversation of I'm sorry that I can't tell you what's going on, but I don't know what is going on. I can I don't know what's going to happen next. So all I can tell you is that it is going to be fine. It's not always going to stay that way because that, that we know for sure. But when... Is it going to go back to how it used to be? I don't know. These, these kinds of honest answers and these kind of children learn a lot of their learning happens to be observational. If they watch their parents numbing and avoiding and pretending like everything is okay, they are going to do the same. But if they, oh, they watch their parents being open about their vulnerability and being open about the difficulty of the, the experience. They are going to do the same. It's all about what they're observing. Right. Not that old school step up or lip thing. It's okay. Exactly. Yeah. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to be worried. It's okay to be sad. It's okay to, to be frustrated. Like some, some students didn't get their graduation. Like that, that's, I can never imagine like this milestone of having your high school graduation. That was all, all that was taken away from I don't know how many students all over the world. Yeah. It's sad. It's something. It, it's not gonna affect them for the rest of my, their lives. Like they moved on, they graduated, but this sad. It's a loss. Yeah, yeah. Just to shift a little bit in your daily life when you're speaking to friends and family. Some people are very, very scared of of getting coronavirus. They're very, very vigilant mm-hmm. about hygiene and cleanliness. And then there's other people who aren't so scared of coronavirus. They're more scared of the economic impact. And then there's everything mm-hmm. in between. And as we've seen, people really marking out their territory and splitting into which social media does so much of. Um, mm-hmm. How do you deal in your life if you have friends... Like, what's the best way to sort of be Switzerland <laughs> when you have strong beliefs, friends or family have strong beliefs uh, about everything? I, I think everybody speaks based on their own experiences. Like, mm-hmm. um, to be like, I have a close friend. She, 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 she struggles with respiratory concerns, yeah. and her two children have um, have a poor immune system. So they've been locked out for the past two months and a half, did not leave their apartment. And, and she's very, very worried and she's very scared. You cannot go to her and be like, uh, you're overreacting. No, she has her reason to be concerned. 
everybody, like every fear that you're talking about is legitimate. Those who are scared of catching the coronavirus, it's a legitimate fear. I mean, I mean it's not, it doesn't have a, a high death rate, but it's, it's again, it's a virus. You don't, you don't want to ever, you don't need to have a virus act. It's, that's new that too. So it's a, it's a legitimate fear. And then those who are worried now are contracted economically by this. People have had pay cuts. People have lost their jobs. People, industries have shut down. Um, and you don't know if it's all going to pick up again. Right. And the implications, everybody's talking about probably there's going to be a depression worse than this, the, the, the 20s depression after that, like 2008 yet again. So there's, there's legitimate worries in all, in, in, in all aspects. And I think it's, part of the compassion that we need to have towards each other and, toward, and, and to, um, uh, throughout the experience is that nobody, nobody's fear is more or less. It's just another fear because this is a multi-layered situation. It's not, it's not only that there's a virus, a pandemic, and, and that's it. That pandemic has implications. That pandemic has implications on every individual. Mm-hmm. So however whatever the perspective anybody's taking about how this is affecting them, it's to be respected and it's legitimate and you don't have to uh, disqualify one in order to honor the other. Okay. And what should people do if they're genuinely concerned about a friend's mental health? Because it's a very touchy area. Yeah. What should you do? What should you do? I think normalizing, first of all, normalizing that, this is a difficult time and that struggling is, is, is to be expected mm-hmm. um, is step number one. And trying to maybe slowly give some tips to the individual as to what to do. Of course, I mean, we've been saying that since this started. Every psychologist uh, in Dubai has said the same thing. Try to have a structure. Try to have a little bit of a routine. In, introduce um uh, exercise, introduce healthy, just healthy eating habits, mm-hmm. uh, cut down on the alcohol, cut down on the, on, on, on the unhealthy habits because these are all depressants and just boost your hormones and boost your system as much as you can. Um, and these are the ways you, you try to manage the situation. Now, you could do all of these things and still struggle, which some people do. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, um, reaching out for for support is important. Sticking around, just checking in on the, on those individuals or friends that you feel like need your support or are struggling more, uh, constantly reaching out to them. Mm-hmm. And then there's a lot. In, I mean, therapy is always an option, but also there's a lot of initiatives that are being uh, taken all over the city. Um, that that's pro bono to support and finding that we always feel better when we're uh when our feelings are validated so finding people who are going through a similar experience is always valid is, is validating in and of itself mm-hmm. so if you're for example if you're struggling but everybody around you is doing so well you feel like oh my god something is wrong with me but if you go online and you speak to a group you find a group of people who are struggling and they're all talking about their experience then that makes you feel like, oh my God, then nothing is wrong with me. Yeah. And everybody's going through this differently because we're different people. <laughs> 
and you're putting some great stuff up on your social media, free resources. There's infographics every day. That's really cool. Oh, we're trying. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) You're trying. What do you do, Reem, when you're surrounded by people who are, you know, how do you take care of your own mental health when you're scared? Um, most of the time, I'm, uh, I tend to uh, just take a lot of time for myself. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm not an introvert, but I lean towards that. So, of course, it's for me has been the time of my life because mm-hmm. uh, I, I got a lot of time alone. So I tend to withdraw a little bit. Okay. Uh, but it's always, I always need to remind myself to to balance it because okay. again, I'm not. Um, I am, I lean towards being an introvert, but I'm not the one. So I need that social interaction at the end of the day. So I'm, uh, so I'm aware that when I withdraw in order to take care of myself, in order to uh, just balance the, when I'm, because I, I have the, those emotions that I need to give space and honor to, I need to always remind myself that, yeah, no, but I also need to socially interact because I'll enjoy the withdrawal and then I'd go, it, it can go into, a spiral that's a little bit more negative if that makes any sense that does make sense so, yeah because i was reading because depression one of the things that's so insidious about depression is that you do tend to isolate so yes. i guess you have to be careful if you're withdrawing to take care of yourself that you're not doing it to the extent that you're going to spiral into a more depressive exactly and then i think it's it's very what's key to all of this is that the question that you ask yourself and it's a question that you ask yourself and and you need to be honest with yourself because there's no one else there. Why am I doing this? Am I doing this because I need the time to, to heal and recover and just take care of myself? Or am I withdrawing because I just feel that, um, or am uh, am I withdrawing because I'm going into uh, a spiral and I don't want to communicate and I have this history of being depressed and, um, and uh, um, I don't want to be complaining and I feel ashamed of my feelings. And you just ask yourself, what is going on? I don't want to be a burden on others. Everybody's going through their problems. I mean, the, the, the difference it makes to just have those little conversations with people that you, that care about you, this call of, you know what, I'm not doing so well. I'm not doing so great. And just having a conversation, just letting it out in in 10 minutes doesn't have to be a zoom call that lasts for an hour and then having the other person on the other hand be like it's okay it's a difficult time and just reassure you and validate you and that's it they don't need to do anything else and life moves on yeah and you feel so much better so there there's always a balance between taking care of yourself um, and and having those boundaries with other people but then also allowing people to be there for you and take care of you and for you to be open with them because I mean we're human we're neurobiologically wired to connect that's what we look for all the time connection yes so have a quarantine mental health buddy or two yes yeah you can lean on um that you can lean on yep yep and they will and and you provide the same thing for you well that's great Reem thank you so much there's lots of great tips that Reem's um uh, B Psychology Center, B.psychology.dxb Instagram posts. I look at it every day. Um, yeah. <laughs> and, it's great. Yeah, it's great. You're doing- we haven't been very consistent because of the filming difficulties and all of that, but we're trying. Yeah, you're trying. 
Well, thanks so much. I know you've made me feel my better. pleasure. <laughs> my pleasure, Anne. Okay. Always a pleasure to speak to you. You too. And um, I look forward to more of these podcasts and to helping everybody who's around. And feel free to email uh, B or send us a message on Instagram if you have any specific questions that you would like us to help you with. It's me. I work with adults, Ross Addison, who's part of the team, uh, works with children and adolescents. So he has, he's quite the expert and he has great tips as well. Great. Thank you so much, Reem. Take care. Lovely speaking to you. Have a great day, Anne. Bye. Bye. That's it for this week. If you liked the podcast, make sure to subscribe, rate, and review. We'll see you next time on the livehealthy.ae podcast.